right now like uh exhaustion with this country so we're gonna start out not launching right into everything that's been going on (laughs) what am i doing let me introduce myself hello before i just make this a diary entry my name is kelechi aza you have reached cake and kombucha because someone who loves you send you here someone with impeccable taste the type of person that likes to go into deep teak and spray things but not buy anything because why because we're intrigued by smelling like an old lady, but we're not ready to commit yet. That type of person. That person is me. I probably told you to turn on my podcast. Hello. Welcome. Here you are. Okay. So there's a lot going on in the news. I want to start with something that's not news, or maybe it is news to you. Uh, Shoes are misogynist. How's that for a hot take? I broke my sandals yesterday. I walk really hard. I'm really interested to know how long sandals last for regular women normal people, but as someone who's accident prone, and I just feel like I destroy shoes. They don't last as long as I feel like they should, or maybe things are cheaper nowadays. I don't know. Anyway, these sandals I've had for like maybe a year or so, but I rotated them with other sandals and not like I wore them all the time. They just completely, the heel came apart from like the sole and the strap came off. So I'm staying uptown in my lovely sister friend's apartment while she's out of town because I had like really early morning apartment, uh, really early morning meetings and Brooklyn is awesome. It's the hang, but it's, um, it was just really far away. So I was like, instead of me waking up at five, it just shift my whole circumference, shift everything upwards. And let me just be able to take care of a few things. So I have a little suitcase with me here and I only brought one pair of sandals to wear to work for the, for three days and it broke. So I needed to go buy new ones. I went to the place where dreams go to die, DSW. Uh, Maybe the website serves you better, but when I get there, I see things I don't want for prices I don't want. That's how I feel about it. It's not a sale. Like, I don't know if they've met Macy's, but this ain't a sale. This ain't it. These are full price shoes. Like, the only reason I can think that I enjoy going to someplace like that is it's nice to look and see if your size is there right away without talking to an agent. Are they agents? Uh sales associate associate and associate however beyond that why why bother sis why so I walk around walk around walk around everything's disgusting as I imagined it would be um I ended up with some smushy sandals that look too comfortable like you know when things look comfortable like I'm not trying to look that granola I want I want to look like I'm in pain but not be in pain that's my shoe game But I have to say, I was just disgusted. And there's brands that I've supported for a long time that I really like that I go to for designs I like, like Dolce Vita is one of my favorites. And I'm just looking around at slabs of leather that have no, like ergonomically, it could have been somewhat, it could have been made at a book warehouse 
or a shoe factory, like, are people aware that these are going on women's feet? Is that even a consideration? What other field is there? What other product is there? What other line of work can you go into that you're designing something that has like almost no functional use for the thing it's being made for? I think I'm heightened, like my awareness of this is heightened because I just have stitches, which by the way, they, my stitches just fell out. So I don't have to get the stitches taken on my foot, holler back. And if you want to know more about why that happened, you'll have to listen to the last episode. But I just think I was just thinking more about comfort and, and I'm like looking at shoes that have like no padding, just nothing, just a hard wooden bed, like where the, where the, uh, padding of your foot would go, like your toes and your, well, calluses in my case. I, I, I know the feeling like when that wood hits it and it's like it jangles through your bone and it's just this aching in your toes. And by the end of the night of dancing, you literally feel like your toes are broken I've had that feeling. I know what that feeling is. I see like just raffia, just straw wrapped around. There's nothing to separate my toes from the straw. So now I'm just, my skin is just going to be rubbed raw. Why are y'all making sandals like this? Do you know that people have to wear them? Do you hate us? Just let me know. Do you want us to be in pain? Do you care that the use of them is to wear on your feet? I'm not saying that I should run a marathon. I know that if I have a, a high wedge, which I love a wedge, a block heel, a espadrille. I'm not going to walk as fast as I have sneakers. I know that. However, just why should I have to go buy an additional Dr. Scholl's gel thing to put in there? You couldn't make any, you could put anything squishy. You could make your sandal approximate the shape of a foot since foots are not just like flat, like a sheet of paper. No. Okay. That's all. I just wanted to check just wanted to check if you hate us. Um, but I'm feeling very hated by uh, other factions of evil in the world and our country, America, which I do not hate, but it needs to stop acting like it hates me. So let's just launch right into that. Why wait? Okay, so if you don't know what I was referring to, just to give you a recap and to everyone who needs one of the biggest news going on in the country right now, other than FaceApp, I would say it is... Donald Trump's racist tweets this weekend. Um, He tweeted on Sunday morning, right as he was heading to his golf club. So this is just like what he does for leisure. So interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. I mean, where do we even begin with, I mean, they work, they literally are congresswomen, so they, that is what they, anyway. Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime infested places from which they came? Then come back and show us how it's done. These places need your help badly. You can't leave fast enough. I'm sure that Nancy Pelosi would be very happily to, happy to quickly work out free travel arrangements. All right. I could not believe he said this. I feel like I'm about to cry. I honestly do. I joke a lot on here and I rant a lot on here, but this was so, we just keep crossing more and more lines. And I, 
I don't know where to begin with my emotional reaction. I mean, there's the reaction to, reaction to what he said, and then there's the reaction to the mealy mouth, piss poor, tiptoeing around the point, telling you that the sky is, is green and yesterday is today, responses from other white people in the government, and talking heads. The only talking heads that seem to be getting... I mean, MSNBC and CNN are just having fun being like, he's racist! You can't say it, and you can't say that he's racist because he's racist! And it's like... It's fun, but it's almost like too little too late because it shouldn't take him saying, like, go back to where you came from for us to acknowledge that he's racist. But I do think it's funny that, I mean, let me just, maybe not, maybe I won't look a gift horse in the mouth. Thankfully, some people are actually using that word and learning to not freak out about that word because ding, 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 racism is super common. We were literally founded on it. I don't understand why we would not have a lot of it. Like, I don't get it. Um, I don't get why that would, why you would think that. It's like asking why there would not be oxygen left in the air. It's, why not? Well, pollution may have been a bad example. So anyway, to just go back to why I feel so emotionally about this is because I am half immigrant and half original fucking American next to Native American, my sister, Native American sisters and brothers, like, you're a, like, uh, I remember being in Florida, like, at Disney World, and crossing the street, and my dad, who was a dark-skinned man, um, we were, we may have been jaywalking, maybe not, I don't know, but someone driving by really fast in a truck told him to go back to Africa, nigger, and that was just, like, on site alone. African Americans were told to go back to Africa all the time. We've been told that from the day we were brought here uh, against our will in a just, in an Alanis set ironic twist. Uh, and it is just a common, basic, like, first grade level 101 racial slur that the president is now doling out. He expounded upon it, but go back where you came from is the number one way to single out people and tell them you black or you just that you're not white we don't say that anymore to white people to phenotypically white people even though those of us who know recent history know that when italians came here when jews came here when irish people came here they were also not counted as white and whiteness is a category that's changed over time you know persians and arabs and people like that weren't white i think they were for a little bit yeah, they used to be white on the census. And now they're not like those things change with whether America wants to steal oil from you and have a war with you, things like that. However, the point stands that basically if you're white, you you belong here. And if you're not, you don't. So for him to say that to four women, one who's African-American from like Cincinnati, born in Cincinnati, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is Puerto Rican, by ethnicity, but she's from the Bronx. Puerto Rico is also part of America, but the president has shown on multiple occasions he doesn't know that because he referred during the hurricane to the president of Puerto Rico. So he doesn't know that he is in charge over there. I feel like they should just take that and run with it because we, you don't need him in charge throwing toilet paper at your head or paper towels at your head. Um, and then Rashida Tlaib, who is from Detroit, and Alan Omar, the only one of them that was born somewhere else who's a citizen. 
Which at some point we're just going to have to decide, like, do we believe in citizens? Like, should we never have anyone emigrate to America ever again? Should we all the people that were, you know, born after a certain time, those are the only real Americans. And then everyone else, the birth rate just goes down and we have like, uh, you know, children of men type pick your poison post-apocalyptic story again. These definitions keep changing. And the single uniting factor is that white people get to be American. White people get to be citizens. You know, I was listening to a story on NPR, not NPR, on The Daily, really painful story about ICE and people hiding in their homes, waiting for people to come get them with the lights out. A lady who came here, she applied for asylum because she couldn't get work in Nicaragua because the government, she said, it's not like it is here. We can say what we, you can say what you want here, which I'll get to that too, because that is supposed to be one of our governing principles that makes us unique amongst all the countries in the world. However, we seem to not like that anymore or something. So we'll hold on to that point. But she said, you know, you can't say what you want there. So apparently the government officials knew that she wasn't a fan of theirs and she became on a, a, a no hire list. Basically, she could not find work, came to America, overstayed or she applied for asylum, didn't get it. But she just thought that an extra step, she thought being deported was an extra step. Like if I'm supposed to leave you, you know, I leave, you tell me I leave. And she didn't know she was on a deportation list for about like another 10 years because sometimes they explicitly explain that and sometimes they don't. And I'll never forget in this story, she said, you know, she, you, you don't know who doesn't have papers. Da, da, da. She said, I had this friend, a white lady, a lady. She's beautiful. She's a white lady. Of course, that was the third thing that followed. She's from Argentina, which if you don't know, Argentina is majority white. It's like majority European, um, more so than other countries in South America. And even I think more so than America blue-eyed, blonde-haired people, et cetera, et cetera. And she said that that lady said she was up without papers. And it just made me think of, you know, Melania Trump, who worked illegally. She was, she was working without papers as a sex model naked person, which, you know, I know, I, you know there's nothing wrong with it. I just throw it out there to be inflammatory because I'm mean, Evangelicals love you now. I don't get it. Uh, <clears throat> Donald Trump's own father was an immigrant. So probably delving too far into, you know, probably giving this more meaning than it needs. But I'm only doing that because that's how people decided to start analyzing it. They decided to, uh, Republican leaders, only four of them denounced what he said. One of them, I think, said it was racist. The other one said, well, those aren't the words I would, I disagree with those ladies too, but those aren't the words that I would choose. We need civility. We need other, you know, blah, blah, blah. And only one of them actually said it was racist. Everyone else completely silent, radio silent, except to come out and defend him. They said, of course, the president's not a racist. He was just saying that if you don't like it, you should leave. And they seem to hate America. And, you know, of course he's not racist. It doesn't really make sense what he said because you know, three of them are not, I saw someone say, well, three of them aren't American, any, or three of them are American, and one of them is naturalized citizen, so he didn't really mean that, he just met, okay, this is a part that really hurt me, because now, it's one thing to be insulted and kicked when you're down, it's another thing to have to deal with the double reality of then pretending like, other people pretending like it didn't happen, and that they don't know what you're talking about, it is patently obvious 
to everyone what he meant when he said that. It is a dog whistle, it is a calling card, it is a very basic, basic insult. I asked my sister friend who is, I'm, apartment I'm staying in, I said, what do you, what do you think of that? She's Indian and she migrated to London as a child. And I asked her, she's with her mom, I said, what do you and your mom think that this was said here? <clears throat> we didn't get into the fact that it was our president. I would love to, you know, I do think that changes things hugely, massively. However, she said, we didn't bad night. It's basic. Like, that was day one when we got to London. Go the fuck home. Go the fuck home. So that is to say that everyone else who has been on the receiving end of this and who hasn't, because everyone who isn't on the receiving end, I mean, there's a large, you know, you're there on the receiving end or you're probably the one saying this. We know what it means. So now people get to say that it doesn't mean that. What does this mean? It means that the line for what he says can keep being pushed further and further and further and further and further. I Next he's going to be like that fucking bugaboo Ayanna Presley. Next he's going to be like, Nignogs, go home. Like, I don't, what are we waiting for? What's the rest of what we're waiting for? It just is extremely frightening. It's extremely upsetting because when the people in power start telling other people that if you dissent and have a different political opinion, first of all, dissent from whom is the question? Because these ladies, they may be shaking things up. Yes. Okay. They're shaking things up for the old white guard, which is, that's how this got started anyway, is a dispute within house with Nancy Pelosi, which I can honestly say, I do wish they kind of had kept that quiet. I, I'm, I'm conflicted because you know, Ayanna Presley says, we don't need any more black faces that are just faces. People are being very, you know, it's almost like the millennial, they're not millennials, I don't think, except for Alexandria, but they are younger than like 89, which is saying something for the government. So they, that kind of activism, online activism, the Twitter activism, that is part of the milieu. And it's almost like, they are bringing those ideas and the things that are very commonly talked about on like, you know, uh, what's what Twitter or what is the other thing? I don't know. I can't remember. Where's the thing that all the activism started from and like also naked pictures, also porn. You know what I'm talking about. Tumblr, Tumblr. They're kind of bringing those phrases and they're not afraid to say them. And I, even me on this podcast, like I have my white friends who listen and they're not like, Oh my God, what does she mean when she says white people do this and white people do that? Like they understand the discourse. They understand the large, you know, the categorical changes we're trying to make, the things that we talk about, the patterns we're addressing. So I do appreciate Ayana just being like, yes, I identify that I am black and that other people are black. And sometimes black people are good for diversity, but they're not, you know, they're not actually, their voices aren't really being heard for significant change and everyone being like, oh, we didn't notice you were black. We just noticed you had large cankle on twists in your hair and that were fluffy, but we wanted to know what they, we just thought it was a fun summer. Like, she's like, yeah, you're gonna notice my blackness. You're gonna notice it comes with different things. These are the changes I wanted. This is how it's tied up into things. I love being that bold and in your face. And she's saying, you know, do I wanna talk about dirty laundry in public? She said, you know, our house, our house dirty laundry? No. But do I want to pull up a new seat to an old table? No. Bitch said, I'm going to flip the table over. Prostitution, whore! She said, I'm going to flip the table like Teresa Judice. Okay? 
And that needs to happen. It's kind of like the same reverence I had for Elizabeth Warren, the same tolerance because he still gets my nerves for other reasons I have for Bernie Sanders. We have to shake shit up and people really aren't going to like it. But then in 100 years, they're going to be like, glad that happened. You know what I mean? Definitely more than 100 years. What I mean for 100 years is like looking back, things seem normal that at the time seemed completely crazy, untenable, revolutionary. Oh, this could never happen. Yada, yada, yada. So I get that. However, do I kind of wish that they didn't like fight with Pelosi publicly? Sort of. But I'm really not sure because honestly, Pelosi, she has a really hard job, but she's she's fallen short in some ways as well. So I don't know why Donald Trump include I don't know why Donald Trump thought, hey, you Pelosi and me, we're going to make a, a white old person hate club together and, and drag her in and say Pelosi would be glad to send you home. And, you know, this is probably the Donald Trump part where he is part savvy and that he knows how to use hate to bring people together. And then part just an idiot like. He, you know, his point definitely, it was tactically relevant to bring up this sender home, which is now a chant. Uh, the sender home part is directed the most specifically at Ilan Omar. Sender home, sender home, sender home. It's going to be the new chant, like lock her up. That's going to be the new campaign chant. That's it. It's right there. You picked one. That's it. Now, did we think that, did I ever think I would hear people, I mean, at these fucking clan rallies of his that are already clan rallies, saying send her home no i didn't think we were in the business of sending people back to their countries that we didn't agree with i just thought that wasn't a, a thing we did however that's it he laid it out there he's using this as a distraction for the failed border policies he's using this as a distraction for all kinds of things that he wants to cover up right now as he's using it as a distraction for epstein uh who he said he doesn't like and doesn't know but there's video of him now in like the 90s or 80s ogling girls who, when I say girls, really from the back, they legit look like these dudes were at a prom. I need to know what, I don't know what kind of parties this was, but you know, it was before my time, but like they legit look like they were at prom from the looking at the back of these girls and just picking out which, which of the hot ones were. And you can see him saying that and gesturing to Epstein, but of course he doesn't really know who he is. He doesn't know who he is. So you know, there's all these things that were being covered up. And I do think that it was tactically, uh, that was the purpose of inciting all of this Wahala. Um, however, yeah, like there's pieces of it that don't quite make sense. But the general message is, I'm racist and I know how to talk to you all other racists and get you excited. And I know how to say what you want to hear. This is what you want to hear. Now, do these people think that if you do not believe in America, you should get sent home? Obviously not. Wasn't it Mitch McConnell who said that his whole purpose was to like block Barack Obama from doing anything? He didn't get sent home. Is that showing hate for America to not want your president to be able to function effectively? Apparently not when you're old and crinkly and white. So I am very, there's just, there's like these levels of disappointment that I have. And I keep thinking that someone is going to step in and say, but this, and then people are going to be like, oh, wait. For example, do we want a dictatorship or not? Do we like freedom of speech or not? Which one, like which parts of the Constitution, we only like the right to bear arms, but we don't like the First Amendment? Like, I am confused because how does it not seem like a dangerous, slippery slope 
for a president to be saying, if you criticize America, that means you hate it and you should go home. Two congresswomen. Literally, if everything was fine, you would kind of never need to make any new laws. So basically, effectively, anyone in Congress, anyone in a legislative, in a legislative body that runs on any kind of campaign about anything they want fixed is technically criticizing America. It could be said to hate America. I mean, you're like, if that's the standard, then they all hate America. But by a not psychotic standard, perhaps they want to fix America because they give two shits. I mean to tell you, where do we begin? I mean, Ayana being included really bothers me the most. Not because I'm like, I'm African-American and she's African-American, but because I really do feel like of all the people that don't have an immigrant tie, she does not. She's not any kind of immigrant, not first generation, not second generation, not nothing. African-Americans are as American as the Mayflower, as Thanksgiving, as whatever, as America. We are, the only thing we are not as American as is Native Americans, who I keep saying because I feel bad that, I feel bad for freaking history being the way it was, that we have to like delineate these things. But we are, the apart from Aboriginal peoples in America, it's us. It's us and slave owners. So you have no right to include I mean, you have no right to do any of this, but to include someone who has no immigrant ties to, in this, it's like very clear that what makes her other is merely her blackness. And why as black people do we not have a right to whine and bitch and I want to work in my coal mine still and get the black lung. <laughs> open up. Don't open up windmills. Rah, rah, rah. I don't like change. Blah. We should be able to bitch and moan about all the stuff we want to be the same as the way it was the same way that any white person can and does. We, uh, you know, middle America, the working class, the working class, the white working class, that's us too. We are also a working class. Like we, it's us, we're American first. So I, it's just so clear that in put, lumping her in with other immigrants, I mean, Ocasio is not an immigrant by any means either. But I mean, she, I don't know if she's first generation. I don't know what generation she is. But you know what I mean. You don't speak any other language as an African-American. You're American. You speak English. That's it. And we've been fighting for so long to be seen as part of this country, as a whole human being in this country. And to hear him say what he said, it took me so far backwards, just explicitly and very clearly. So that is why I'm hurt and stressed out. Cortisol levels on fleek. Belly bloat. Like, I really am upset. It's not everything that he says that gets me upset, but this really touched me to the bone. And I think about what would my father say who emigrated here if he were alive? What would he say about someone telling immigrants to go home? Like this was this became his home. He chose to move here and make it his home and have us here and marry an American woman, a black American woman. What would he say? What would my grandparents say? Who, you know, what would my grandpa who was born in the South and moved up here to move to Buffalo to escape violence in the South. All of my elders I've recently lost this year who are in their 90s, some of whom came, my Uncle Warren, who got sent up to Detroit from Alabama because he like got in a fight with a white boy up on roller skates. He was 10, by the way. And they're like, you're not going to last. You're hot-headed. He's called him red, and he had red hair. <laughs> moved him up here. He, he, right before he died, talked to me about 
that he knew Trump, he, he, he just wanted to see what was going to happen with Trump's dealings with Russia. Like, this is before all, everything came out. He knew that there was some other shit going on. And I, I just wish, I actually don't wish for him to see, like, what's going on. Because whatever new level of corruption comes out, we're adjusting to it. And I feel like we're just flailing. We're flailing to, to find the words to describe what's going on. We are trying to apply our best historical analysis and, and voter analysis. And like voters usually do this. And sitting presidents, it's really hard to dislodge sitting presidents. But have we ever had a sitting president since, I will say since the end of segregation, which unfortunately is not that long. It's like 50 years. But I will say, have we ever had one that said shit like this? You know, it's, it's, we are not supposed to be repeating ourselves quite in the same way. Like, I do want everyone to be mindful. I want to be very mindful of the being shocked by racism thing, because again, it's bullshit. And, you know, I was listening to a story about busing today and how, you know, the North and the South, the South, North is actually more segregated than the South. And... They were like, oh, you Southerners are so bad. But then when busing came to them, they were like, we have a right to pick our school. They just left. The South, it was like literally in the law, like, you can't leave. You need to integrate these schools. So, you know, I was listening to footage of senators saying that segregation, you know, you can't tell us our way of life is wrong. And we don't, you know, we don't have to go to school, you know, trying. It was just, it was just a lot. Like, so this is what used to go on on the floor of the government. And then. 50 years later, so on the House is trying to vote on whether to condemn Trump's remarks. And they came at Nancy Pelosi for saying his comment was racist. She said his comment was racist and they, they, they uh, you know, gavel, I don't know what the hell's going on in there, gavel, gummy bears, throne, whatever the symbol was. They're like, hey, we want to strike that. We can't, you can't say that word. We want, I know, Why? So there's like a language thing, like un, uh, undignified or crass, crude language is not allowed. So they wanted to censure for saying the word racist. This is how the structures we have set in place are serving us, that the president can say something racist and Nancy Pelosi can be told on the floor that she, does, she can't call it racist. Because the word... We need to reclaim racism. Like, I would like to just testify to you today that it is something that I've experienced. I think I experienced it by the one doorman downstairs who's very skeptical of me. All the black ones are like, hi, and they've seen me a million times and know I am. This one, who I very much know his face, keeps testing me every time I walk out and screw-facing me and doesn't say hi and ends my the other ones, the black ones are like, have a great day. Do, do, welcome, good morning, good morning. Like, I'm like, it's like birds singing and he's like, who are you? I mean, that's such a tiny, tiny example. But I'm saying like, I just want to testify with y'all here today that I have experienced racism. Most of us have. It's not like a weird thing. It's not unusual. And I don't understand how... It's almost like white people are taking our attention. You don't get to be more hurt by being called racism or offended. It's not, it's not a boogeyman. A, it's not rare. It's, it's more than common. It's more common than dirt. B, like, stop making this about you. 
It's not about whether you think it's an unsavory concept. It's something real. And the president is exuding it out of his pores. And to be honest, I don't think he's as racist as like many people in the government, other people. Some of the shit I honestly think he says strategically because he knows people want to hear it. But do I think he's as racist as like many other people who grew up on the Upper East Side and never had to encounter, or wherever he grew, so, did he grow up on the Upper East Side or Long Island or Queens, somewhere, somewhere rich and secluded? Like, do I think he's as, at least as racist as many people who grew up uh, rich and never have to encounter black people if they don't want to are? Sure. Do I have the added bonus of knowing his grandfather was like in the KKK or something and that he said black people couldn't move into his apartments? I mean, I just can't. Do you, but you know the other stuff he says extemporaneously that he comes up with is also just like shocking. He said uh, of Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Alexandria, I'm not going to call her, Ocasio, he said Alexandra Ocasio, I'm not going to call her, she has three names, I'm not going to call her by all of those. Come on. We know what that is. I mean, if you really know the reason why a lot of Latino people have long names or whatever, like most people probably don't literally know, but in, for Puerto Rico, like you take your mother's maiden name and hyphenate it with your last name, which is your the married name. So people have two name, two last names. And I don't think he literally knows like much of import about any other cultures. Even the ones that are part of America, as Puerto Rico is. However, I think that he he knows that it sounds foreign. And he knows what it means to say, I'm not going to say all those names. I'm not going to say those long names. It's like when people ask to call me something else, even though Kalechi has the same number of syllables as Christopher. I mean, okay, people shorten Christopher to Chris. but my Or like Brittany, Kalechi. It's not... It's not, my name's not that long, but a better example would be my last name, which is AZA. It has four letters. People lose their shit just because it's something that they're not used to seeing. So you would really think I was asking them to spell out the whole alphabet. When I say E as an elephant, Z as in zebra, I as in India, E as an elephant. They're like, what? Like aneurysm when I say Z. It's just like, you got to start over again. So foreignness is foreign sounding and that's what he was latching onto there. I just don't know how long this is going to go on for. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how I, I, I see more hate crimes. I definitely see the way people are getting treated changing. I see more violence on the internet. I mean, we see an uptick of these things. Uh, I didn't mean my, I meant vile things on the internet, but we've seen an uptick of these things already. There was a, we have immigrants getting beat up and killed this is only going to increase because he's giving a signal on purpose that that's what he wants to happen. So I feel very uh, stressed out. Like I am not, I am not okay right now. It's, this was just upsetting. It was too close to home and this, this is meaningful. This is a meaningful moment that we're going to remember. So Oh, uh, and his approval rating went up by 5%. So that's, if that doesn't tell you almost everything you need to know. Heavy, heavy, you got so heavy, baby. Ooh, heavy, heavy. Sorry. Um, 
the next topic is heavy. That's why that happened. So before I treat you with fun stories, let's just knock this out of the way. Um, ugh, I don't, sometimes it's just hard for me to even, like, I want to talk what's going on, but dang, dang, this is, this is the world. Okay. This is the world we live in. So no one was charged um, in Eric Garner's death. If you are getting the names of the different people mixed up, honestly, that's understandable because that's how many people are killed by the police in these really egregious, ridiculous ways. Eric Garner famously was put in a chokehold by an officer while he was selling Lucy's outside uh, in New York on the street. And um, he was suffocated or he his body could not take it he famously said 11 times I can't breathe I can't breathe um no one was found guilty in his death and I'm not really going to get into the the very uh details the legislative details the details of the case right now and how these decisions are made but just to tie into what we just discussed with Trump's language and choice of words, I just symbolically want to talk about how that landed with me. Uh, it speaks to the value of black life, the meaning of we put on black bodies, and how immune we are getting to violence perpetrated against black bodies and death. If this man did not kill himself, then someone killed him. He was presumably selling his cigarettes, living life, walking around, doing whatever he was doing until the moment at which an officer interrupted him, put him in a chokehold, which the officer attests it was not intended to be a chokehold, but another restraint tactic that he learned. But once he was on the ground, it kind of slipped into a chokehold, I guess. Until that moment, he was okay. So I just feel like our willingness to let black people just expire in the street and not assign any fault anywhere speaks to the value that we put on black life. It's symbolically extremely dangerous and harmful for us to absorb, for me to absorb, to little black boys and girls to absorb, for the world to absorb, for our culture and our, the kind of, you know, what permeates our brain food, to just see this happening over and over again. It's deeper than corrupt policing. People, this is the only area where people can just die and there's no culpability. Any, you know, ice cream manufacturer of Bluebell with the ice cream getting licked is more scared of the culpability of death of some germs as some, you know, someone gets herpes from the ice cream and they die and they're frail and feeble and old and their body can't take, I mean, they're going to get sued and it could be criminal charges. I mean, there are just inanimate objects we treat with more care. Companies that produce inanimate objects feel more uh, pressure to keep people alive than our police do. There is no, there's just no, you make someone's death meaningless almost when you don't even 
assign culpability. And I'm not saying that every death has a meaning or that someone, you know, it's someone's fault for a freak accident, but this wasn't a freak accident. When someone has acted, done a physical action upon you. And so to dive a tiny bit into the details of, you know, how this could happen, the officer, you know, they could not establish beyond a reasonable doubt that the officer's behavior was excessive use of force. I would offer that we cannot establish that because we have no reasonable fucking standards for what excessive use of force is. Because if you were just like an alien that came to the planet or maybe like a baby, someone would be like, oh, he died? Yeah, maybe that was too much. I don't know. Perhaps perhaps we could have like brought that back a scotch. And many, and, and there's, a, there's a world in which you can imagine that someone dying would be the evidence that you did too much. Like where do no harm, which is the credo of doctors, could be applied to police officers when it pertains to innocent people who have not, you did not see them in the act of hurting anyone in a crime. We could apply do no harm in those instances too. We could, we could say, I, no one should be dead from my casual interactions with them that pertain to a man possibly selling legal, well, okay, it's a, Lucy's are legal, but, you know, selling a not, you know, uh, something that's not a narcotic. That could be a standard, but it's not. What does that say about human life? I mean, we have no standards. A couple like tase you, watch you go into cardiac arrest, like tap dance on your chest and then be like, oh no, there's a dead person. I don't know how that happened. Whoa. Things just got out of, that shouldn't be an unacceptable outcome is what I'm trying to say. And I mean, I just think it's like, if you leave it for people to decide whether excessive force was used, they're going to have to measure it. And I don't even know the racial makeup of this jury or anything like that. They're going to have to measure it against other cases and the whole system is messed up. So then your guideline for what's excessive is skewed towards pretty effing crazy compared to any other country and not any other country in the world, but many other countries in the world, uh, apart from the ones that Donald Trump would call a shithole. Those are the ones whose police forces have things in common with ours. The countries that Donald Trump said these women should go back to. But that wasn't, that wasn't why I said these ideas were connected, these, these events. They're connected because I really deeply feel in a Marianne Williamson type of way that the energy that we're putting out and the thoughts, and are they're seeping into the culture. So the more that we think that it is acceptable for cops, this is an acceptable kind of job mistake, the more black people are going to die. The more we think a black person's death is a job mistake, the less valued our lives become. We never were starting out with them being valued equally in the first place. Any stroll down asking an, an old person a question about their how life was like could, could show you that. And so we're just constantly taking the value of our lives down a peg. That's what's happening. And so you have Trump... I'm sorry, there is so much traffic and I am on the 22nd floor. You have Trump telling people to go back where they came from if they would do things like, I don't know, advocate for stuff like this to get better. And you have him, you know, telling us that brown people are bad, they shouldn't say anything, they need to shut up and be grateful for being here, like all that stuff. 
you have that as a whistle to for the crazies and the militias and the people who are on the fringes of how much they're willing to enact violence to demonstrate their racism and their hatred and resentment of our presence here. You have that as their, you know, starting whistle to go ahead and start acting out and acting up. And then you also have, you know, in a different branch, this happening, showing that it's really not a big deal if a black person dies. You can just say that you're sorry, that you did something that ended someone else's life. Oops, that's, that's so sad that that happened. It's kind of like saying, it's kind of like the unwillingness to name racism is unwillingness to name a murder, unwillingness to name any culpability. So I am just so tired. I'm just so frustrated. I just, there's so many things that this, this uh, plateau we're at, this stasis, this, you know, we're just at an impasse with a couple of these major, major foundational problems. I would put gun control as another one that no matter how many people die, we really can't seem to figure out that there's something that we might want to tweak. I don't know. It's very, very stressful. It is extremely, it's, it puts a psychological weight on you to know that if something goes wrong, well, A, I mean, I forgot to even mention the fact that, you know, we aggressively police these communities Anyway, I will always use the example of, you know, going to Princeton and I think I might have even used the example recently as last week uh, because I've been I've been wailing on college, you know, because the college admission scandal. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Tad. Sorry. Um, But yeah, I'll I'll never forget, you know, you know, black students at top tier universities, which are disproportionately West Indian and African which is a problem that we can talk about in a different day. You know, some people are first generation, and then you have a lot of African-American students who we have our legacies too, but you also have people who are maybe in the first in their family to go to college. We have more to lose. We do not drink as much as white students do. We are just told not to. Hey, you can't do what the white kids do. You're going to get in trouble. Like literally, that's just very simply, that's what was told to me. So we are like dancing. What do we do? We had dance-offs. Shit, some of us couldn't even figure out how to actually, like, hook up with each other properly. So it was, like, friendly, you know, ruler, space apart dance-offs. Because the black, there is a thing where sometimes the black and girls and boys become, like, friends, brothers, sister type feel. And there's not even as much dating as there should be. Just It's a weird space that you put minorities in when you put them in all white institutions. So, you know, we're having our, like, Chris Brown, early Chris Brown era dance-offs getting public safety calling us to turn on the music and people are like doing coke off each other's asses in the next room and with no expectation that they should get in trouble. I watched kids, I watched some white kids be irate. I remember stories of them getting stopped with like actual like significant drugs and alcohol and they couldn't believe it was even like being considered taken anywhere outside of public safety. Like they were like, oh wait, I'm drunk, I'm, I'm underage, I'm driving with all this alcohol, you're going st- to, in, in my car, and you're going to stop me on this campus? Like, that's crazy. They were actually surprised. And so, if you always look for something, and you're all the way up someone's ass, you're going to see them doing something wrong, where you're not going to see someone else that you totally ignored. I mean, it's also like the, you know, when you go in, 
a store and the the associate is following the black person all around and meanwhile i have i've had friends um i've had rich girlfriends who went through some life problems rob sephora blind just hundreds of merchandise hey hey do you want some like no i don't and like you know we need to return and talk you know go to go to therapy however they did not get caught because no one looked for them this is this in fact if anyone really wants to steal that's what you should do just bring your black friend have them walk no don't because they'll be complicit but i'm just saying you could you could really go far with that tactic so i mean and i say all that to say that should Eric, why was Eric Garner in a position where you were physically taking him to the ground to arrest him over selling cigarettes? Like at some point, de-escalation might mean this person isn't doing anything that's really bad. It might be a misdemeanor or whatever. So I'm not going to make a huge scene. I'll wait till I have more information. I'll wait till they actually catch them in the act doing something very illicit and take my fucking police brawn and uselessness and go climb up a tree and save a dog or is that what firemen do something do something else but you put your hands on someone who didn't really need to have their hands put on them for something that wasn't a big deal and then they ended up dead so my point is there's we don't you know excessive force you can call it excessive force but when when does excessive force start because i think it starts when you are even willing to have these stupid interactions that you wouldn't have with white people who are doing very similar, if not more illegal things, because their standard for illegality is just scotched to the right of what they know they can get away with in their own neighborhoods or on the same street. You just, you just probably asked them if they needed some help when they were like meeting their drug dealer. Are you okay, son? Are you lost? So, that's that's one of the most psychically painful parts of this and i just wanted to share that i view those things as as connected this is messaging that is pervasive and it sends a worldview about our value and it is a lot it is just a lot to deal with and i feel attacked i felt i feel like the the trump the comments i feel attacked like it's it's a lot and we, I don't know what we're going to do, but we have to figure out, we can talk to each other, we can listen to other podcasts, we can listen to my podcast, we can vent, we can console each other, but something has to give because America is the only country that does not talk about the things that it has done that are wrong. We are the only country that is it's just so ready to be repeated. We have people in this country that dispute whether the Holocaust happened. I know it didn't happen here, but I'm saying just as an example of how, I don't know, is it part of our First Amendment rights that we are free to just pick and choose what the truth is and what happened and what we believe? I don't know where culturally that comes from. Maybe there is some kind of cultural aspect that's not just denial because, you know, America is not the only racist country in the world. So I'd be interested to know culturally how that became to be, how that came to be our tactic. But that is why we handle unpleasant things. Okay, if this person doesn't get their car alarm. The point is saying that, the, my point is that other countries, like, you know, there was a woman on TV or on online that got arrested in South Africa for calling a police officer a kaffir, which is like a nigger. She was going in on him. 
this bitch got arrested for racism. He just stood there and said, mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, yes, yeah, what, what else? What else, what else, what, what else? What, can I, how can I help you? And then she went to jail because racism is illegal there. Um, hate speech, hate speech, anti-Semitism is illegal in Germany. What are, how are we going to combat things if we don't acknowledge that they happen? So I'm just nervous that we could go backwards because we don't really have anything in place to really acknowledge how far we've come and, and how things used to be. And we don't, we acknowledge the big ones, but we don't talk about all those laws, the structural laws that are still in place to oppress certain parts of the population. So, and, and that, and I, I put policing under that umbrella. So it's really scary to think about. And I'm actually going to take a break because this alarm won't stop. I don't, I don't know why my mic is so strong, but it's picking up the street noise from downstairs from the 22nd floor. Okay, we're going to change pace and do some cheerful news. Um, What brought some smiles to my day this week is that Aisha Curry continues to be a parody of a person. Um, She either has the foresight of a squirrel or really likes being trolled on the internet. Because at this point, you just have to stop. There's a point at which you have to stop. You just have to stop. Um, So ever since... You know, hot girl summer became a thing. Megan Thee Stallion coined this term, and she has said that the spirit of hot girl summer is about being unapologetically yourself, not giving a damn about what anybody else got to say about it. And in an interview, Aisha Curry was asked what hot girl summer meant. And she had to put her twist on it that is, I'm going to say unforgivable. Here's, here's a quote. Oh my God. So I guess I'm not that cool of a mom because I just had to ask somebody the other day, what is hot girl summer? She said in an interview, this was with, uh, ABC Bay area affiliate to promote her new food competition series, family food fight. But apparently there's this song out right now by a group called city girls. That's incorrect. And I guess they want the nation to embrace and all of them women and the men no one said anything about men, to embrace that way of being. I guess it's just being your best self in your own skin and living your best life, but in the summer. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Unapologetically, the the, in the summer part just took me out. I didn't know it was going to take me out like that. Like, (laughs) it's living your best life, but in the summer. Wait. Then she was asked if she is having a hot girl summer, and I'm going to give a... Swift uh, shout out, a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I see what you did there. Whoever interviewed her set her up for this nonsense. They set her up. She said, oh, my gosh, I would say I'm having a hot girl summer, a hot girl mom summer (laughs) by enjoying time with my kids, enjoying that gorgeous Bay Area weather. It sucks. It's like too cold. You need sweaters in the summertime. Lots of rosé, hugs and love with the family. And watching Family Food Fight Thursday nights at 9, 8 central on ABC. That's how you have a hot girl summer, America. <laughs> I don't know what she sounds like, and I'm not looking it up because that's the way she sounds in my head. Um, why would you say something like this? Why would you say 
that having a hot girl summer is getting lots of hugs from your family. That's not what we asked you, okay? I'm having a hot girl summer. I'm having a great summer. And I'm getting lots of hugs and love from my sister, the fam, the dogs. I just moved in with her. It's great. But if you ask me, like, what ratchet shit I'm up to, I'm not going to say getting hugs. I just feel like, did she just culturally appropriate this moment? <laughs> like, can we? Hold on. I'm laughing too much, and I'm, I'm going to take my inhaler. I'm going to be right back. Okay. Breathing is better. <clears throat> Still just having a congested. I'm having a hot allergy congestion summer. Anyway. I also wanted to point out that I think she's taking this mom thing and it's becoming a shtick. You're not the only mom in America. You're not the first. You won't be the last. There is nothing about having birthed people, human beings out of your uterus that precludes you from knowing pop culture facts when you are 30 fucking years old. You are six years older than Megan the Stallion. If I think, I think she's like 24, like, this is not, she's not a, you're not in a different generation. Wait, is she? No, yeah, she, would she be millennial or would she be Gen Z? I think she's, I think 24 is a millennial. I, I don't understand. You, you haven't, you don't know this. You, you don't not know this information because you're a mom. You don't know it because you're corny. Just own that and stop blaming moms for being a dork. And being a dork is okay. Being a dork means I'm going to make fun of you for being a dork. There's nothing wrong with being a dork. Please continue being a dork. Because I think there was some pushback at the trolling she was getting that was like, she's just being herself. Like, she's being unapologetically herself. So it is a hot girl. I also didn't like how she added men and women. It's not about men. If it was a hot girl and men summer, it would be called hot girl and men summer. So don't be a all don't all lives matter hot girl summer, okay? Don't do that. Also, the amount of crime that must be happening outside right now. I'm in Times Square basically, that's where the apartment is, and I'm just like, damn. This damn, okay? So helicopter's going to land on the building any moment. Um but yeah, that was it's just so corny and part of me is like how trumpian of you, how how ingenious, how devilishly ingenious of you to lean into the corniness of your corniness and play it up. But then I just hope you don't come to the internet crying later. Why are people making fun of you? This is why. It's kind of how your parents took you aside and told you to toughen up or your mom took you aside as mine may have done to me and said, hey, it's time to learn how to wash those washcloths out and get to those armpits puberty is hitting you and it's hitting you hard sometimes people help you not get made fun of so I just think that you know there's being yourself and there's just putting yourself out there to get dragged through the streets of twitter mockery and this this is that um also city girls does not have a song called hot girl summer they're not involved, although I do see what I know what you meant. City girls, it's this carefree ratchet movement. But yeah, don't all lives matter. It. It's about women. Women are the ones who need to advocate for themselves, being allowed to do whatever they want and say whatever they want and exist in their bodies and be free. 
it's a feminist movement. Don't all lives matter it, okay? Men are not like, yeah, I just want to be able to take up space and manspread. No one respects me. People knock me over. It's not like when I say something, people take it authoritatively. No, men don't need this movement. They don't. So, all right, off to your clam bakes and hugs. Be away with you. And uh, please don't bring mothers into it. I know lots of mothers. There's mothers I go clubbing with. My own mother knows what a hot girl summer is. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that to everyone and to me in the future. Don't do that. And last but not least, the sad, pitiful, and predictable tale of Ice Bay. So Ice Bay is a picture of, well, she's not a picture. She's a person, unfortunately. Um, there was a picture of a female uh, border immigration agent in uniform next to a um, chain link fence. So basically next to one of the cage center concentration camps that we put children in. And of course the picture went viral because da da da, she's a light-skinned female person in a uniform. Uh, someone was like, coined the term ice bay and you know, of course, Negroes are saying things like, oh, I want her to lock me up and blah, blah, blah. Can I just say that the propensity for you black and Latino men to lose your minds over anything beige is truly exhausting at times. It's just tiring. Um, she looked like a person like a human, like a light-skinned person, like literally she'd look like a beige person and you were lost your fucking minds. I was expecting to see some crazy bone structure like prison bay. There's even a mugshot of this woman who's like kind of smirking and she did something like set her boyfriend's like, she like bleached his laundry or something that's you wouldn't even have known was a crime. And I wouldn't even say that went viral. It, it, it didn't go viral because she's not light-skinned. She was beautiful, but she was just, you know, I don't know. I don't know the tears. I guess I guess she'd be around the way girl. I, this, this woman is not that attractive, and she's certainly not attractive enough to detract from the fact that she's locking up children in cages. So she, the term got coined Ice Bay, as it turns out, she does not work for ICE. She's not with a federal agency. She's just with Texas Border Patrol. She's Latina herself, and she has taken the opportunity to use these 15 minutes of fame to deliver some of the most vapid advice slash I don't even know what to call it. I watched this YouTube video twice because I was trying to understand how sometimes I'm just like worried I'm going to die alone because I'm like, if this is what men like, I'm shit out of luck. I'm shit out of luck. Um... She got up there and, like, the camera, she leaned in really close so her boobs were in the camera, and then she, like, knocked into walls, setting up, oh, oh, sorry. Okay, so hi, everyone. Hi, this is so, it's crazy. This is so crazy. I just, I want something good to come out of it. So if, I just to encourage girls to work hard, get their education, so they can go viral because of their titties? I'm lost. Bitch, no one was reading your resume. You're popular because people think you're hot. 
And they think you're hot because mostly white supremacy and like 2% your breasts. The rest colorism. I didn't give a percentage for mostly. She was like, just know that I like all the comments I'm reading. I, I don't know what to say. I thank you. I'm a really chill person. Even all the negativity from the internet, believe it or not, I don't let it get to me. So I just want to say all you writing nice things, I see you. I see what you're doing. I see you. Are you going to give them a sticker? I was lost. I was like, what is this commentary? What does it mean? How did you, how did you like infer that you're a role model because you went viral for being hot? I'm so confused. What? She said twice, like, encourage young girls to work hard. I will say in the YouTube video, she has a, she has a very nice figure and she's cute. Maybe it's also, maybe not just, I'm not a straight man. Like I admire women's beauty all the time, but I was looking for a little more pizzazz. Like, I couldn't tell from her uniform and her hair is slicked back. She just looked like a person. So she was way cuter in this YouTube video. But when you see the vi- but then you see the picture that went around, you're, I don't know. I guess it depends where you fall in the spectrum of sexuality and thirst, uh, whether you will see anything at first without being prompted to. But I was just like, okay, this is exciting. I don't know if it's the idea that, like, people think that, Sometimes I wonder, do I hang out? Okay, that sounded so bad. <laughs> it sounded really bad. But am I around disproportionately attractive people from just like working in and acting where appearance really matters or from working in, New, from living in New York with just all the diversity and the beautiful diversity of all the different types of people? And I'm not even including the models that come in every September and take over a march run for fashion week because honestly a lot of them look like aliens like will you for real see someone up close that is six feet tall and weighs 110 pounds it's strange it's not it's étranger. it's not something that we really uh want to aim for no shade if to anyone who's natural be like that um, i'm being messy today i can't help it this is my real thought and it's late um yeah i was just like am i so i wondered if people are just think that all agents are like men and they're all, you know, burly, overweight, and eating donuts, dudes. Nothing wrong with a punch. I, I, love, I love a little zad bod. <laughs> zad bod. But I, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't really get it. And then when I watched the video, oh, I didn't tell you why I think I would die alone. So I, the reason I thought I'd die alone is because all of the ridiculous stuff she said, I mean, it was utterly meaningless, like utterly meaningless. Men in the comments are like, She's such a classy lady. She's a bro model. She's just a kind, warm person. I, it, it hurts me. It hurts me. Because I read an article. <sighs> Lord, I'm yawning on the podcast. I read an article today that was about how much worse unattractive women are treated than unattractive men. And I say unattractive with meaning like conventionally attractive, but the moreover, the point was that how men treat people they don't want to sleep with is like evil. Like they treat them like they don't exist. They're rude to them. It started, this article was inspired by a tweet from a bigger woman who was saying that the way she is pushed aside like an object and just literally people act like she's in the way. She's disgusting for existing in their uh, falling over when they're falling over themselves to get to her thinner friends, 
is like a thing. It's an epidemic. And, and by the number, by going viral and how many people can relate, you can say it, it was. You can, you can see that there's a trend there. So this sparked a debate amongst people. And so it was just a, uh, like being invisible if a man doesn't want to sleep with you or not. And it's, uh, I mean, that's a whole other story. What a freaking, I mean, what a, it, it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't, because even if they are attracted to you, you could end up dead, especially if you're the type of woman that he wishes he wasn't attractive to, like trans woman or something. So it's just like kind of a conundrum. But in any case, it made me start thinking about the flip side of that, which is the positive attributes we confer on attractiveness. I mean, really, just take your dick out of your hand. Jess, I need you to put it down. Nothing she said makes her seem intelligent, sweet, nice. Because she said, thank you for telling me I'm pretty. I see you. What the fuck? Like, I just, I don't know what else to say. Wow, wow, it's so crazy. What else can I say? Um, thank you for... Yeah, it was a mess. Ay, ay, ay. Just stay silent and stay on Instagram. That's not everybody's a content creator. Not everyone. You don't you don't have to do that. But yeah, she's she's also tweeted uh, Mike Pence to thank him for visiting her facility. And then she's complaining online about like how her job is hard because she's a Latina, but she's, you know. So I guess there's some narrative about her keeping the country safe, but I'm such a freaking socialist shithole country head that I can't I didn't even like it didn't occur to me that there was anything ostensibly positive about her job in any way to like anyone else so perhaps I do need to like do my little thought exercises and pretend that I'm not me and like that I have another perspective but yeah so that was you know I guess some people are saying she's a hero but at the end of the day most of them are just saying hey nice rack and that is not inspiring, impressive, or, I mean, well, a rack can be impressive. A good rack can be impressive. Let's not lie. But I, I just, ooh, ooh, my brain cells it slipped out my nose and fell onto the floor. <laughs> Lastly, I really need, this is just a quick uh, housekeeping note. I need someone to discuss, more people to discuss 90 Day Fiance with. It is a need that I have. So please Hit me up on social media. We really need to talk about a couple things. Larissa's new boyfriend. Was that the lawyer? I, I'm confused. But we also, I just want to talk about Colty and Larissa. The way, I feel like Colt is like a metaphor for American society and, and, and Larissa is like, would be black people in this metaphor. Like, he keeps calling the cops on her when they have an argument and then is like, Larissa's been in America one year and she's got arrested four times. She's got herself arrested. She didn't get herself arrested. You called the cops. And then I want to know what kind of physical danger you thought you were in because he said she was arguing. She was getting out of control. She was, it was just escalating. It wasn't stopping. So was this a noise? She was just complaining. Like she's allowed, you know, if you've seen the trailer, she's, says things like, who, who is so ever is against the queen and will die? And shut up, I am the queen. Because she's just, she goes on her rants when she's mad. But they do give her a lot of things to be mad about. And some of them are, other things are just unreasonable. But my question is, how dare you call the cops on your fiance over and over again? No, your wife, they're married. On your wife and then be like, 
she's got herself arrested four times and now she's going to be deported and blah, blah, blah. Like as if it just happened. I'm dead. I was waiting to hear she came at you with butcher knives. I was waiting to hear she swung at your mom and said he was like, she just wouldn't stop. She, she, so you called the cops because she was annoying. You wielded them as a weapon and then you asked her why she was in trouble. You do the math. You do the math. You do the math. And I'm not supporting Larissa. I think she's nuts. Mostly I think she's nuts, as I mentioned before, is that I don't know why these girls are not better at gold digging. It makes me sad. I just feel like why would you tether yourself to someone that lives in Las Vegas with his mother and has no AC in his car in, in the desert from, from Brazil? I don't. I don't know, man. People, people must be, maybe if you grew up near water and sand, you're just over it. Because people leave these islands, I'm like, for real? Because I would just live outside. Like, unironically. I'd wear sunblock. I wouldn't be one of those, like, leathery-looking people that teaches surf. I'd do everything else. I'd teach surf lessons. I can't surf. Uh, you know, things like that. Um, but I would just wear sunblock. I wouldn't look like leather. But I would be that crazy old lady that lived on the beach. And that's all for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. I hope we pick things up for you by the end. We had to go over some serious issues today, but, you know, it is where we are. We're going to try to power forward and find the light and find the humor in every situation because that's what we do here. And please, if you liked hearing the show, if you like what you hear, do not forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple and rate and review. That is what pushes Cake and Kombucha to the top so it can be found by other people who are looking for new podcasts. We are also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. I think that's it. Oh, SoundCloud. Of course, SoundCloud. Um, But that's it for now. Thank you so much. And next week, oh, no, the week after next, more debates. That will be exciting. Uh, But we'll, we'll be back next week with more content for you. Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by Kalechi Azie. It features music by Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out MelanieJBCharles.com or hit her up on Spotify. I just